The reading today is from Titus, chapter 3, verses 1 to 8, which can be found on page 1134. Saved in order to do good. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle towards everyone. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things that the, so that those who trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. This is the word of the Lord. And now if you are able, please stand for the gospel reading, which is from Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16, and can be found on page 916. Salt and light. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray you'll help me today to, to discharge this, these words that I believe you've given me in the way that uh, you want me to. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is an interesting passage and comes after the well-known section that starts in the Sermon on the Mount. In other Gospels, Luke has some of this teaching spread throughout Jesus' ministry. Here in Matthew, it's all put together in one long passage. Perhaps Jesus often taught these things when he was on a mountaintop, and that's why it's called the Sermon on the Mount. Perhaps it was a favourite or common topic for him. Matthew brings it together in a very helpful summary. The crucial thing is here is what Jesus is looking to do. See, here he is really starting to turn the order of the world upside down with these Beatitudes. Literally, they are the attitudes for us to be. He's encouraging those who are listening to them. He's encouraging them to show mercy, to be meek, to be the peacemakers. These are the attitudes that the world then and now we're not normally seen as attitudes to try and strive for. In effect, they can be perceived to be weak attitudes. 
Now, having been a teenager in the early 80s, it was all about grabbing your future, striving for goals, earning lots of money. Now, that wasn't really me, which is perhaps the reason why I became a police officer rather than a city trader in, a mo in London with a brick-sized mobile phone. Not that I've got a problem with making money, it's just the attitude that sometimes can be displayed with it. So in verses 3 to 12, he's telling them how to be. He's setting out ways that his followers should be, ways that they are very different to seeing in the world. Then in verse 13, Jesus tells them the reason for that difference, the reason why they are to be different. He tells them they are different, that they are salt and light to the world. In verse 12, we see that he says that they are the salt of the earth. But why salt? Salt adds flavor. A little salt, go, little salt goes a long way. But in Jesus' time, the important use of salt was that of being a preservative. It would be added to fish or meat, rubbed into the very flesh of the fish, so to preserve it longer. This was in the days before Tesco's, Aldi, and Sainsbury's. Oh, there are other supermarkets, of course. Um, and fridges and freezers. To keep fish edible for longer, it needed to be salted. Now, one of the most plentiful sources of salt in Jesus' time would have been the Dead Sea, where the water evaporates, leaving a salty residue around the edge. And that would have been collected and kept as salt. Now, if it got damp, this, when the, the salt would have run away, leaving the other elements behind. This was not like your supermarket salt, which stays good for many years. No, it wasn't pure NaCl, sodium chloride. It was a substance that was used then, and that's the reason why Jesus could talk about it using, losing its saltiness. Now, even allowing for it not being 100% pure, pure salt was worth a lot in Jesus' time. It was used as a currency, and the Roman soldiers were paid in it, and it's where we get our word salary from, literally from the salt. So as with salt, we are valuable. We have a purpose to add to the world, to have an impact on it, just like a chili in a curry or spicy dish. And importantly, to be a preservative, to impact the world that, so, that is, so it's not decaying and falling apart as much as it would be without us. Because salt works as it's rubbed into the meat and flesh of the fish. It's not something that can be done remotely. It needs to be in contact with it. The salt preserves the food by drawing water from it and so helping to kill and prevent bacteria. We've heard a lot about viruses and bacteria this morning. It literally saves the meat from becoming rotten. When something is salted, it can be kept for a very, very long time. Likewise with taste. When you have fish and chips, you don't sprinkle the salt on the table. You put it into the chips and the fish. It's eaten together. It is used to make something better. So you can make a difference to the world. You can be salt. And in being like salt, we need to get close to those in the world who are dead in their sin, not to become like them, but to stop them rotting in their state of death. Now, you cannot do that from afar or by not engaging with people. Jesus then goes on to say that we're the light of the world, that we are the light of the world. Now, that's a phrase we've seen elsewhere, isn't it? John, in chapter 1, verse 4, says, In him was life, and that light was the light of all mankind. 
John later recalls Jesus saying that he, Jesus, is the light of the world. So who is this light of the world? Is it us or is it Jesus? Well, it comes from Jesus. Him living in you as the light of the world gets out as we live our lives, according to the way the Beatitudes are set out. See, salt and light comes after the Beatitudes because living light as a Christian enables us to be salt and light. Others might be called peacemakers. Others might be meek. You can see that in those who follow Buddhism. However, Jesus does not call them salt and light. Why? Because the Beatitudes enough are not alone to be a Christian. You need to trust Jesus has paid the price for your sin. Then you can be salt and light. It is that light from him which shines through us and gets seen by other people. He is the light of the world, not Buddha or any other founder of a religion. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me except through, no one comes to the Father except through me. So he is the light of the world who shines through us. In effect, we shine because he first shone in his love into our hearts. He wants us to be transformed so we let out as much light as possible. So we looked at salt and what was it about salt? What is it about light? It brings comfort for those who are scared in the dark. Those shadows that can overwhelm and can scare disappear when light is brought into the situation. In effect, it exposes the truth of what is there. It guides the lost to safety. It helps those who need to be rescued. Why do all life vests on, a, on an aeroplane have little light attached to them? So that if you're bobbing around up and down in the ocean, you can be seen from a long way away. It warns of danger. Lighthouses show where rocks are, and a torch shows the rough ground underfoot when walking on a path. It can also bring warmth as well. The biggest light in our solar system is the sun, uh, which is pretty good thermal lamp, I'd suggest. Light makes a difference to those in darkness. And that can be seen by so many who suffer from seasonal affective disorder during these long winter months when they can feel depressed during the day, have low energy and problems with sleeping. It's caused by a lack of light. What do they need? They need some light. It's similar in the world that we live in. It needs light. There is so much darkness and sadness in the world. Now, I'm going to re read a list of things that cause sadness and hurt in the world. It's a pretty savage list, but it shows the state of what we're living in. Domestic abuse. Child abuse. Greed. Famine. War. Terrorism. Divorce. Illness. Climate change. Cancer. Lack of health care. Suicide. Hatred. Racism. Sexism. And all the other ways of being prejudiced against others. I hate to say we live in a world in a bit of a mess. Some of these things are caused by us and some things just seem to happen. But they all cause pain and suffering, whatever the root of them. There is so much pain and darkness that needs to have some salt and light put on it. This list shows us how much our world needs help. This is not about a 17-year-old girl getting cross about what type of cars people drive. There needs to be a fundamental transformation of people's lives. Their lives need to be transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. And whilst he will not undo the things that have happened to us, he can and does change the future. 
He gives hope to the hopeless, a future to the lost, and joy to the sad. He transforms the here and now for a better future. In the past, people tried to solve the world's problems by thinking their way out, by the use of science. Now, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Science and medicines are really important. Vaccinations are good evidence of how important science is. But in the 17th to 19th century, there was what's called the Age of Enlightenment, when men thought they could think and science their way forward. In effect, they started to write God out of the equation. They thought it'd be a better place with more thought and less God. Well, I'm not too sure we can look at society today and say that it's great because of man's thinking. See, people replace God with reason and beliefs with science and think that man should be happier. And I just don't think that worked out. So we can make a difference. We can be salt and light. You are of value just as salt was of value in Jesus' time. You have a purpose like salt did. Salt got close to the meat and the fish and was rubbed into it. You cannot get more involved than that. Just your very being brings difference to any situations. As Christians living in line with the Beatitudes, we let out that light. We shine in the dark places of the world because of how we are changed by Christ. As a Christian, you're fundamentally different to other people. Now, the Rotary Club do many great things, but they are not salt and light like you are. To be sure, I'm not putting down the Rotary Club or any other secular humanitarian organisation. I'm definitely not saying that a Christian should not be a member of such. In fact, it's good to be part of those things because we can make a difference. But as a Christian, you are alive in a spiritual way and carry the light of Christ in you. That is different. That is special. As you do these things, your things, your lives shine with the light of Christ. We who are being transformed take him who can do that transformation to others who need him. Now I've got a very short video uh, on a group that seeks to transform the lives of others. For over 70 years, this is what we've been doing, getting up early to get out there and fly. What motivates me is just seeing change, being that essential lifeline that makes a huge difference around the world. We're flying every day into isolated communities where there's no road, there's no infrastructure. We're coming onto the sides of mountains, we're going into the remote bush. We're taking that life wherever we go. When we talk about flying for life, we mean it in the fullest sense of the word. It's not just about food and water and a safe place to live, but it's about health, it's about education, it's about transformation of communities and seeing them thrive, and it's about taking Jesus' love into those places. MAF was started by a couple of World War II pilots. They'd returned from the war, they'd been using aircraft to drop bombs and now they could see that aircraft could be used to bring life and to bring hope. It was a very humble beginning, just one aircraft, but that aircraft was fuelled by the prayers of many.
We are pilots and engineers. We are IT specialists, we are administrators, we are managers. But we're so much more. We're the faithful prayer partners at home. We're the people helping raise the funds. Together we are Mission Aviation Fellowship. I don't know yet what transformation my flights today will bring. I don't know what transformation every other flight will bring. But I know this, that for every flight we do, we are motivated by flying for life. I've got to say, I find that so moving. Virtually every time I watch that, I end up with tears in my eyes. Um, see, changes can be made physically, but also spiritually. It's important to care for the isolated physically, but the work math does also looks to impact the spiritual. And there are ways that we can all get involved. We have organizations that as a church we're connected to. Some are Christian in origin, and others have aims that align with our Christian goal of loving the poor, for example. So whether it's food bank, street pastors, Mission Aviation Fellowship, Church Mission Society, or Christians Against Poverty, there are ways you can get involved. It could be helping out with the children in youth events. They always seem to need support and helpers, trust me. So what are the specifics? How do we do this? Prayer. This is the foundation and bedrock of our involvement. Without prayer, we are literally fighting with one hand to hide behind our back. Time. What time could you give to support one of these causes? So many of them could do with some extra support. Speak to Lise, Andrew, or Georgina about ways you might be able to help, perhaps with the youth or young or children's work. And give. Perhaps you haven't got so much time or mobility, but could give a little bit financially to one of these needs. However you support, whether it's through prayer, time or giving, I cannot stress how much of a difference it makes when people give support, acting like salt and light. You're literally lifting a load when you come alongside, whether it's by buying a, a can of fuel for one of our aircraft or praying for street pastors. You make a difference. You are being salt and light. And that net result is that we do these good things. We point to Jesus he is the one who motivates and inspires us. He is the one that can lead the lost to salvation. It might take a long time to see some change, but do not underestimate the contribution you make. Our job is to be salt and light, to pray, to offer time, and give. <laughs> 